Hello and welcome to episode 991 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, December 8th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Doing all right. A little rainy uh, this morning, but uh, oh. the new office is uh, holding up well for the temperature. So that's, that's nice. Very good. Very good to hear. We got uh, bright sunny skies here in Texas. We'll, yeah. we'll get our crappy weather at some point, but make no mistake about it. But uh, all good here. Um, because we are obviously in lockout mode, uh, we can now get back to our uh, our ranking discussions. And we last left off with your outfield, and we were kind of about 40, 50 deep, I believe, the Sounds last time. Right. Yeah, yeah Akil Badu was the last guy we talked about, and you have him ranked 60th. And uh, I believe we talked about a potential move up based on that. I believe you did, too. Moving him up to 50th. Uh, we got lots of dudes to talk about today, and so I got lots of convincing to do. And maybe I'll be convinced on some. Maybe I got to move some guys down. Maybe I got to move some guys up. Uh, we got a whole mix here. So let's just dive right in. Let's just start at 62 on your rankings with Brandon Nimmo. Now, we could play a little fun game at the beginning of these. Do you think I'm higher or lower? I think you are lower on Nimmo. You are correct. And you're probably right. Like, this is a list where I can already see four or five names where I go, uh, yeah, I should probably move this guy up or down. <laughs> like, I can already tell where this is going. And just looking at, uh, you know, the guys you pointed out, uh, some of these are going to be pretty easy moves for me. Nimmo's one of them. Nimmo's a guy okay. I just always have loved. Understandably, uh, you know, he gets on base so well too. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's such just a nice skill to fall back on, and that's my biggest thing is that he can't stay healthy. Talking about a guy who has one season over ninety three games. The ninety two he played this past year was the second best. One forty is still the the career best. You know, obviously we give him a break for twenty twenty because that's well, a fifty five game out of sixty. That yeah. that yeah, that doesn't matter it to doesn't, me in any right. way, shape, or form. Um, and that's that's his only full season, <laughs> and it was two months. Mm-hmm. We got 92, the 55 games there, 69, which, you know, he's played 69 two out of three seasons from 2017, 18, and 19. That's not so nice. Normally we might like that, but no, that's not nice. And, uh, yeah, so that that is where the crux of my, my argument comes. I will say that even in 92 games last year, he finished 100th among outfielders on the player Raider, which is kind of impressive to play such a short sample and, and do that. He is really good when he plays, Brandon Nimmo mm-hmm. is. But he's also going to be 29. You know, he strikes me as one of those guys that if he ever does spike the big full 155-game season, it could be a lot of fun. It could be like a 20 and 12, hitting 290 and you know scoring 110 runs because of how much he gets on base. But I can't bank on that. And I will say, your ranking does not pay for that by any stretch at 62. But I got him at 78. I'm just a little bit further down there because of the consistent health issues. There's just a a, a good handful of guys between where you have him and where I have him that I'd rather bet on than Nimmo. Yeah, I I think that's completely fair. I've already, as we're talking, I've already moved him down to 75. Poor Nimmo. Uh, 
And like I, I do love Brandon Nimmo. Like I love what he can do, especially in your on base percentage leagues. Because I mean, he's had a fourteen percent walk rate or better in pretty much every season of his career. He just he just can't stay on the field, which is disappointing. And he sometimes gets platooned. Um, yes, correct. Which is which is a problem. And on the Mets team that they're currently building, um, he may struggle to get plate appearances. Exactly. So. He could be somebody who, you know, still gets platooned. Although, well, yeah, yeah, because he's back in a corner, right? Because uh, they got Marte for center mm-hmm. field. So that used to be kind of some of his protection is that he's the only guy who can really play center. So if he's healthy, he's going to play there. But now they got Marte. He's back in a corner. And like, uh, you know, J.D. Davis. Well, J.D. Davis and Mark Canha are the only guys that can really take time from him because McNeil and Smith are both lefties as well. I also don't they, think the Mets are done. That that would be the bigger issue that if you're thinking they're bringing in somebody, because I think Canha plays pretty much every day and we're actually going to get to Canha later. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think um, you got him down to 75 now. Obviously that puts us pretty much in agreement with Brandon Nimmo. If you're ballparking for next year, what, what, what are you, how many games are you paying for? By the way, he's the 79th outfielder off the board, so now we're pretty much in unison with the market. When you draft him around there, what? how many games are you penciling in for Nimmo? I mean, I'd love to pencil in 130 like Steamer as projected, but I don't think you can do that. Like he's, that'd, that'd be nice, but I agree. I think so. you pencil in 90 and hope that he gets there. Yep. Yep. Um, and anything on top of that is gravy. If he does, you know, pull out a 130 out of his ass, uh, then maybe <laughs> <laughs> that, like, it's not oh, great. Look what I, you know, I, I drafted my fifth outfielder and he performed like a third outfielder. Uh, yeah. And and then if he does have the, the, the magic 155, mm-hmm. where he's just fully healthy, then he's somebody that, like, I'm not going to say he's a league winner because I don't think he has, like, a carrying skill. But he's on a lot of league winning teams. Like, oh, and I had Nimmo who had 620 at bat. He would be like this year's Brian Reynolds. Yes, yes, like that that kind of type where it's like he's on a lot of great teams because you got a number two outfielder as your number four. Yeah, exactly. So okay, that's Brandon Nimmo. Uh, we are much more in accord now. Wonder if I can get you on board here with Lane Thomas, who you have 66, and you're like, well. You know, I've already that moved him up. Okay, okay. I, I, I was gonna say I, I can understand maybe you push back a little bit, like, hey, it was Lane Thomas. Like, how high are you moving him? I've actually got him all the way up at forty-three. Wow, you you even you still have him higher than I do, and I moved him up uh, last night after uh, talking with Frank Stample because I, I got the the dreaded question I'm getting all off season, which is who is the next. Cedric yes. Mullins. Yes. Um, and uh, wait, 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 did you listen to my appearance on CBS? I have not, but I know that you called me out. Um, so I for, gotta... for this very thing. Yes, exactly. This is why Frank asked it because because you called me out. Um, How dare you not listen to that? Uh, I'll, I'll go back. I just I I keep forgetting. You'll love to. it. Uh, but uh, you know, one of the guys he brought up that kind of fits a similar criteria, he's not going late enough, is Lane Thomas. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, that's because Thomas was leading off for the Nationals uh, pretty much, like, from, like, I don't know, late August on. Yeah, his um, Nationals run was excellent. 
127 yeah. WRC plus, seven homers and four steals and 206 plate appearances. You know, the the, the lazy extrapolation would just kind of triple that. And and you got you got 21 and 12. Mm-hmm. Again, always be careful doing that sort of stuff, taking taking a sample and just doubling or tripling it. But you look at the skills that went with it, 22% strikeout rate, 13% walk. This is a Cardinals guy that there was some interest and excitement in him within Cardinals fandom. I remember, uh, I remember Siege talking about mm-hmm. him a few times. A couple other Cardinals f- uh, fans in my Twitch chat talking up Blaine Thomas before he got moved. Like, hey, keep an eye. And then obviously, space just ran out. There was too much of a log jam there. Their outfield right now could be their next outfield. Could be their outfield for the next five six years. It's so good. So Lane Thomas became expendable. He gets traded out to the Nats. And uh, they might have something here. He's only 26 next year as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he he's definitely worth taking a flyer on, especially considering he's going around 277 or so. Um, like that, that makes him 72nd outfielder off the board. Yeah, and I, I moved him up to 61. Um, so now we're both ahead of the market. Yeah, uh, especially because I mean, this is one of the kind of thi- or he he has the same you know, reasons why I attacked Cedric Mullins last year in Mm -hmm. the market, which is, you know, a guy who's really underpriced, has some power, has some speed, and is leading off for a team. And this is a better team than, you know, Baltimore was coming into last season. Exactly. uh, He is definitely, he's not the next Cedric Mullins because he's going way too high in drafts. But this is the same kind of, you know, rationale why I went after a guy like Cedric Mullins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, again, you, you'll hear it, but uh, you not embracing the idea of finding the next Cedric Mullins, <laughs> insane to me. Insane. <laughs> I, I've got a guy. And if you go and listen to. Uh, talking about the whole like concept of it, though, about how you're kind of like, oh, I got the, the awful question of, of who's the next one. No, no. You should relish getting that question. You should. I like getting the question. It's having, having to give an answer. It's... Hey, that that's fine. But you've suggested that like you're not up for it being your thing, and I think you should be. It's like yell. Uh, it's like uh, Vlad with his next yell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. Embrace it. I don't know, man. It's there's gonna like that was a once in a lifetime call. Like, you know, it's just, that, that doesn't matter. This is, you know, your version of calling out Kluber early in I his know. career. Like it's, and I'm still riding off. Oh, that. I'm just still going to ride off of Cedric Mullins forever. So uh-huh. that's what I'm saying though, is you just got to embrace it. You're probably not going to repeat who cares, but it's a thing now and you should highlight it and you should hype it up or else I'm going to steal it. And that's, uh, <laughs> again, listen to the CBS. Piece. I, will, you'll, I, you'll, you'll, I should get a Cedric Mullins tattoo. That's what I should get. That is 100% true. Uh, so Lane Thomas, you moved him up. That's great. I got him even higher and that's fine. I'm not going to try to push you beyond 61. I think that's a nice move up. Uh, you know, basically a power speed guy here that has some really sharp skills mm-hmm. and a clear runway to play in uh, in Washington with the Nats, like there's just no reason that he's not playing every day next year to start. He'd have to, he'd have to underperform for them to move move away from him there, right? Yeah, I, I've got him. I've got him right behind Alex Kirilov and right in front of my boy Bradley Zimmer. So I think it's a good spot. Okay, 
All right, so that's going to be Lane Thomas. Let's move on here. Let me get my sheet back up. Pardon me. Andrew Benintendi, 71st at outfield. And, you know, let's see him pull him up here. Yeah, um, I've got him a good bit higher. Oh, yeah, I was spoiled it. I was supposed to ask you higher or lower. It sounds no, like no, you were yeah, going to guess that one. Mm-hmm. So I got him in my top 40. And wow. this one surprised me. It, Two, when I was kind of like reviewing things and and seeing where I had guys and then comparing it to other stuff, you know, he's fifty fourth, the fifty fourth outfielder in the market. I've got him thirty eight. Do you know the season that he just put up was the forty first best? Hmm. So I, it's surprising, even looking at the numbers. Yeah, it's underwhelming to say the least. Like it, it's a good season, and I think it makes you, or hopefully pushes you to appreciate what kind of like just being solid in every category can do because it isn't special. You're right. 276, 17 and eight, eight for 17, by the way, on the bases. I know that's confusing. The 17 was the homers and then he was eight for 17 on the bases, which that's worrisome in, in, in that if they completely take him off the bases, that could be trouble. I don't believe that's going to happen, but it was a bad rate. 63 runs, 73 ribbies. So it's like, everything's like fine, but that all adds up when, you know, so many guys over index on one category here or there, he's just kind of solid indexing across the board and boom, it winds up being the 41st outfielder. That's the part that was particularly eye opening for me. And that's off the, uh, the Rasball player Raider. And, you know, I thought that he can at least repeat and he strikes me as somebody he was 27 years old, Ben Intendi is. We've seen, you know, the big season before back in Boston when he went 2020. There's nothing written in this season that I'm like, yo, this is why I'm super keen on Ben Intendi. It's more of like, this is a quality skill set that has had kind of the ebbs and flows of, uh, you know, of a standard career. I still think he can bounce back to the 17, 18 levels of being a near 2020 guy. Um, and if not, all I'm getting is 2021. That's fine for me because it's already cheaper than what it was last year. He's the 54th outfielder after finishing 38. So all that to say, I'm really in on Benny because I think the price is, uh, is completely fair. Yeah. Maybe I should move him up a little bit. <laughs> It's yeah, it's really interesting that he ranked so highly in terms of his dollar I know. values. Because, I mean, 17 home runs, 8 stolen bases, 276. That's like, you know, non-steroided Melky Cabrera. <laughs> right? You know, I, I think, uh, or, or maybe a residual steroid yeah. uh, Melky Cabrera. You know what I think is really driving, driving such a nice price there, or such a nice finish, is that batting average. 276. Mm-hmm is really high. It was the 42nd batting average uh, among qualified hitters, among 132 qualified hitters, uh, full stop, not just in the outfield. So in the outfield, we're probably going to be like 15th. Um, in fact, nailed it, 16th. Tied tied, tied at 15th with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So that's, that's a big part of it. And then, like we said, just contributions everywhere else that are perfectly capable. I don't see any reason we don't get that again. So I will pay for that with the upside that he can get back to previously established levels and maybe even set a new level. 
Like there's enough pop here. There's enough speed. Nothing in the stat cast is going to jump off the I page w- and hit you in the face. But it's a lot of pinkish quality. I worry too. that the stolen bases are going to dry up with that success rate. And it, it did in the second half if you kind of Partly look. due to injury, I would say, though. And yeah. how much of the cots were due to injuries as well. He went one for three in the second half. Mm-hmm. Only attempted one stolen base in September and was unsuccessful. He had a fractured rib that kept him out for mm-hmm. about a month in uh, July into, or excuse me, June into July. So it could be like he was trying to protect himself and the team was trying to protect I, him I a little feel, bit. I feel like, you know, the easiest answer is the, the, the obvious one is the right answer here, in my opinion. I, I don't see any other way that it's anything That's but... That's something we should, though, bake into what we think of him because he has been a guy who struggled to stay on the field in recent years. The the health piece, for sure. Uh, he's, you know, he is kind of the the buck 40 type guy. He's got 134 and 138 in the last two full seasons, 148 before that, 151. So it's been coming down since he set that high in 2017 for Benintendi. Fine, I'm okay with it. Again, I think I'm at least getting a repeat, including the eight steals, because I don't believe that he's just incapable of stealing anymore. I think the slowdown was the ribs, and I look at that, and I'm like, okay, I can paint the obvious picture of of why he wasn't running. He had a rib issue, the same rib issue in 2020 as well, strain right rib cage. Obviously need him to be healthy from it, but I don't think they're just going to stop running him. That's a team that likes to run. The sprint speed is still perfectly capable of running. It's not eye-popping. It's 63rd percentile. It's fine. I think Benny is still going to be able to run enough to get that kind of steal total. And then if he's healthy, I think he's approaching 20 again, like he okay. did back in 17 and 18. So well, uh, I've pretty, moved him up. Pretty uh, solid on him. Yeah, I've moved him up a little bit. Okay. Um, moved him up to 65. I'll settle for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't love the park that he plays in. That's Uh, fair too, and I um, figured you'd you'd say that. I totally get that. But so again, all I'm saying is, give me last year, and I'm cool. But I do believe there's inherent upside too because he he has a skilled uh, a skill level that we've seen him reach before that he could get back to. But I don't even need that to come through. And one of the nice things about Benintendi is he's an all-around contributor, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's. He he doesn't have like a standout, you know, carrying tool or stat in fantasy, um, but he allows your team to continue to stay balanced if you've been keeping a balanced roster through your draft. Exactly. So exactly. sometimes the hard part with him, a guy like Benatendi, is you get to that point in the draft and you go, well, what I really need is this. And he's and not yeah. going to give you, unless it's batting average, he's not really going to give you this. Yeah, you want something that he's going to that, that guys at. are going to deliver big. You're like, mm, I need steals at this point in the draft. So you don't really look at Benintendi as that. You don't look at him as the home run guy. Average, like you said, is probably the only thing that you would look at him as a key contributor to. But if you're just kind of drafting solid all around team, you're like, let me plug in another quality piece. Yeah, that, he doesn't that hurt hits you everything. anywhere, which is great yes. when you're talking about a guy going, you know, around pick two hundred. Yeah, 210 on an average, uh, outfielder 54. And I'm a sucker for guys like that that just kind of contribute and and continue to add to the bottom line. So, mm-hmm. um, And I'll take him closer to, obviously, his draft price there. I'm not going to overdo it just because I have him ranked 38th, but I, 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 like where, uh, I like where Benny's setting up. All right, next up is Austin Hayes. 
You've got him at 72 here. And um, do you think I'm higher or lower? On I think you're lower. Hayes? I'm actually higher. Well, okay. Interesting. And I got Austin Hayes at 52. And nice. listen, by the way, these ones, these can go the other way too. And there may be times maybe I need to come down. That's right about market. He's the 53rd outfielder off the board. That's not why I ranked him there, just to match market. That's just where I happen to be. 22 homers, 71 ribbies, four steals, 73 runs, 256. Um, you know, the speed isn't anything that you care about. The four steals were just a little chip in. But everything else was pretty solid there from Austin Hayes. I kind of feel like the uh, the the Baltimore guys that we've been talking about, the, the younger contributors, Mountcastle and Hayes, I thought they kind of pulled their weight last year uh, in terms of uh, finally panning out. Joining Mullins obviously was the big breakout, but those other two kind of came along with him. And I thought Hayes was perfectly capable. 26 years old. And uh, I don't think this is the the height of his power at 22, and I like the ballpark, so that's part of why I'm I'm keen on him for next year. I think there's a 30 homer season here for Hayes. Interesting. Um, I think that is something that potentially could be in the cards at some point for Hayes. He needs to make some real improvements against right-handed pitching. He hit 221 against righties. And that'll be fair because he, he to get the volume that necessary, you know, to make sure that you're playing mm-hmm. every single day, you do need to to be hitting righties a bit better. That's that's for darn sure. The one nice um, thing is the Orioles suck. Yeah, I think like, they're going to give him that chance. And mm-hmm. unless he was even worse than that uh, right-handed line from this past year, 221, 283, 400, I think that's about the low that he can go and not get crushed for playing time. If he starts dipping below that. Yes, I do believe that will start to eat into his playing time. Yeah, 259 he's... Babbitt was was playing a role there for sure, but he does need to improve to really uh, to really be that guy that I think can can drop a 30-homer uh, season. Yeah, because, I mean, his main competition right now for playing time is going to be DJ Stewart, who can't hit 220 just in general, much less. True. <laughs> against True, righties, but he could, so. but he could hit power against righties. Mm-hmm. And they could maybe say that's that's kind of a decent platoon. That no, we I mean, Hayes and, had eleven home runs against yeah. right-handed pitching in two hundred ninety uh, at bats. Yeah, so. like a one eighty ISO. So you know mm-hmm. that that's still a, a, a decent bit of pop there. You two hundred is where you like to be with ISO one eighty for Hayes against righties. It's showing that the pop is at least still there. If that two fifty nine Babbitt is something that uh, he can kind of get up to, you know, just a solid 300 area. Uh, and if it, depending on if it was something that he was hitting so poorly against them that he couldn't generate a quality Babbitt or if there was some bad luck there. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't need a massive improvement off this season. Uh, part of it could just be volume too. He played 131 games. If he gets up to the to the 150 range and, and gets that extra bit of playing time, I think we could see even a, a, another step forward from Hayes. So that's why I got him up there. As yeah, somebody I'm going to move go him up a little bit as well. Not going to probably make it up to where you're at because I, I still do have some concerns. Um, but okay. I'm going to move him right underneath Andrew Benintendi. So he's going to become 66. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're, we're moving units here. This, mm-hmm. is, this is working. Now, I got I got I to gotta get you on this one. I'm not even going to make you do the higher or lower thing. You know I'm higher than you on Mark Canha. I've already moved him up. So yeah, like, what, were, what were you doing? Yeah, that 
that I mean, part of that was I didn't know where he was signing when I originally put him uh, there. I was worried about him being, you know, kind of casted into like a platoon situation. Um, mm. I am still lower on him than I think you probably are. Well, yeah, and I will say um, he's got another Ben Nintendo esque line of like, and he doesn't even have the average that jumps out. He was seventeen and twelve with 61 ribbies, 93 runs, and he gets on base to drive those runs, uh, to drive that run score total up, which I do like. I think that's that's kind of his carrying skill is the ability to get on base. And I don't know that he'll be batting near the top of that lineup, though. No, that's, that's kind my of the concern. tough part. Yeah. Um, but I think everything else that, that he did, like even down to the steals, if they let him, he can con- continue, to tri- yeah, can continue to contribute there. I'm not putting a projection that includes 12 steals for Canha, though I'm more in like the six to seven range. And then I'll take the extras. If he gets there, I think the power is legit to, to hit 20 something homers. And then it does come down to the, uh, to the runs and rubies there. If he is batting sixth where they have him, then obviously the runs are going to come down, but I, I think he'll still, he'll still score pretty well because he's an on-base machine. These last three years when he's been really becoming something as a, as a hitter, he's got a 377 OBP and he's averaging, um, 102 runs per 162 games. Now he's not playing 162 games, but I think we can get 80. I think we can get 80 runs for sure. And I think there's a chance that he could lead off versus lefties. Exactly, because uh, Nimmo tends to bat ninth, uh, and he or and he batted he batted lower in nineteen. I think you can kind of look at Canha's nineteen if you want to get an idea of what it could be uh, this year because he wasn't leading off. He was batting four, five, six. Now I don't think he's going to bat four a ton with the Mets, but the five, six that was a lot of his season there. And he went twenty six, fifty eight ribbies, three steals, eighty runs, and a two seventy three average. So. He's actually a uh, uh, Cano's actually a, a reverse splits guy. Oh, that's interesting. So maybe not batting leadoff. Um, yeah, I mean, hit two thirty seven against righties, hit two twenty one uh, against lefties in twenty twenty one, and that's pretty you know kind of uh, indicative of what his career's been. He's a career two thirty six against lefties and a career two forty nine against righties. Interesting. So yeah, I mean, but. Nimmo's so bad uh, against lefties that I could definitely see them. Marte uh, might lead off, but then I could see Canha batting second. Which would be, yeah, which would be totally fine. Um, you know, and I, I think that, I don't know that I would project less than 10 stolen bases for Canha. I, I think I'm maybe a little bit lower on the power. Um, okay. You know, the Mets stadium is is a bigger stadium like Oakland is. I think, you know, 17 home runs. Like he hit last year is is pretty spot on, but the Mets seem to be wanting speed on this team. Like they went after Marte, they gave him money, uh, and so my guess is they're gonna push it a little bit on the base pass. Uh, and so I would say like seventeen and ten with like a two thirty five two forty batting average is probably what I would project. Maybe a little bit lower batting average. Um, so a guy, I'm not like super excited about but i definitely was a little bit too low on him he, he comes in at like 59 in my ranks right now okay so uh, up, up from 75th with Kanha, um i could certainly accept that some quality defense 
uh, or capable. Of, I don't want to say I don't want to overstate it, but from what they've been getting in the corners, might be a, a defensive improvement for them. So uh, I think Kanha shouldn't have any trouble getting the playing time as long as he stays healthy. Now he will be 33 as well, and we never uh, the 141 games he played last year was a career high that included an injury. So we'll, we'll see where he's at. But I really like Mark Canha. He's, he's become somebody that's uh, just become a real nice weapon these last several years. Somebody I, I was targeting for every league this year. So I've definitely got a little uh, little extra extra love for him because I had such a solid year and he was a big part of it with uh, with the production he put up. He did falter after coming back from the hip injury. Um, he was definitely not as good. So hopefully he's coming in fully healthy this this year and i'm eager to see what cannot can do all right next up is harrison bader your boy you got him at, you got him at 97 you know i'm higher because you, you <laughs> said your boy um yeah i think 97 is just too low now mm-hmm. you're probably gonna say i'm too high because I got him very high. Okay, yeah, you're too and, high. I don't even know where you have him. You're too high. And maybe, maybe, okay, you know, maybe we work we work this one where you, you bring me down then. You state the case. So I'll tell you that I've got him um, 44th, Ooh. which is, you know, probably too low. I can see if I'm, see if I'm moving him up. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I got him 44th. Uh, he finished 73rd last year. He is... 63rd off the board among outfielders, 16 homers, 9 steals, 50 ribbies, 45 runs in 401 plate appearances with a 267 average. Obviously, the ranking I have basically bets on a breakout. Mm-hmm. I will fully grant that. Speed's already there. That is locked and loaded. The power has come on. Um, you know, 193 ISO this year, 217 in the shortened season as well, though. So the only reason I bring that up is because if you add both, it's like a full season. It's 153 games since the start of 2020, and it's a 199 ISO with 20 homers, 12. And I think the upside is 30, 20. And there was a, 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 I mean, he cut the strikeout rate big time last year down to 21%, which is perfectly manageable. I got no issues with that. And we saw a run last year. We saw a couple different runs where he started to look like the guy who could be, you know, an impact uh, hitter in addition to his impact defense. Then he had the dreadful August there sandwiched in between the wonderful July 1021 OPS and September 980 OPS with five and seven homers respectively. So I just think there's a lot of upside here with, with Bader. Probably a bit too high at 44. I feel like I could already, you know, be talking to moving him down a little bit, but I don't think I'm coming much lower than like the the high the high or excuse me the low 50s because I think there's just a ton of upside here with Bader and you know he's going to play because the defense is, uh, you know, be above reproach. So what do you think about Bader? Mm-hmm. The defense is the reason why I think I can be swayed because he is such a good defensive player that even when he struggles, he's going to give be given opportunities to work his way out of it because mm-hmm. his defense just is just so uh, superb. I mean, 98th percentile outs above average. Um, like, he, he's, he's just a really, really good defensive outfielder. <sighs> Getting to the bad is I don't know who he really is. 
Like I see where you're where you're you're getting excited as a guy who could potentially, you know, he's never mm-hmm. had more than 430 plate appearances in a season. And so if we could get him to 600, and is you know, it a little uh, bit of that Kiermaier on that uh, kind of season? You know, excellent defense in center puts him at considerable risk for health issues. There there is a little bit of that, but it's so hard to kind of figure out what he's actually what he actually is in terms of like like you know, this last season i believe he was a re, you know a reverse splits guy uh yeah uh, yeah he was a reverse splits guy hit better against righties but mm-hmm. for his career he's been a better hitter against lefties um i i think that power is a bit fluky and the stat cast numbers kind of back that up with a 7th percentile average exit velocity and a 35th percentile barrel percentage. What he, what he can do is make contact. Um, he's pretty much never had a below average zone contact percentage, even in his, uh, you know, kind of struggling offensive seasons. Um, puts the ball on the ground, you know, 43% of the time this last year. It's little concerning, but he did get the ball into the air uh, 41% of the time, so it kind of came mm-hmm. at the uh, decline of his line drive percentage. Mm. I'm I'm not quite there with you, obviously. You have him 44th, so. Um, but maybe, I think the speed is, is what kind of brings me back around is because I think the floor on the speed is is gotta be. I mean, ten the, the, plus stolen bases. Yeah, um, which at that point in a draft, yeah, is um, is pretty nice. So I definitely need to move him up. And as I look at it, I put him. He's got to go above Nimmo, so he's going to jump okay. up probably. I'm at ninety-seven. Like I got forty-four. I think I'm gonna move him down a little bit here. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to reconcile this this power situation here, and like I understand what you're saying about the 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 Stadcast stuff. The, the the problem I get into, and listen, I love when it's like a blood red Stadcast, and we point to him, and we're like, look at that. So much of it is overlap, though, is saying the same thing in different ways. So you look and you see like the the six seven yeah, blue sure. notches, and you're like, well, that's so bad. And it's like, yeah, but like. Do I do I need different things to say average exit below hard hit rate and X slug or down and barrel rate and that four ways of saying similar things? I do also see the max exit below at 80 percentile, meaning when he gets to his pop, he really yeah. does Bader can. And I'm just wondering, like, and I, I'm not uh, using your words like throw them back at you, uh, but more to have you expound. You could say the power a little fluky. Can you fluke a 199 ISO? For you know a full season again, adding 2020 and 2021, 153 games. It's a 199 ISO. Didn't even need some gaudy homer to fly ball rate. 14% is perfectly reasonable. 457 slug. Like I think that's I, I think what he's done since the start of 20 is pretty legit. And like I said, that's a 2012 line that I think we start with, and then we go from there with Bader if he continues to develop and has a little bit further of a breakout then i think we're talking special season 
Like, like, like when, when you see a profile, yeah, like this, just, this is more mm. of just as opposed to like putting you under the, the fire to answer this more of like a, um, uh, picking your brain for your process. When you see something like this, where it's like, this is legit power since the start of 20, right? A 199 ISO. We like that. You inherently take that as like, Hey, that's good. How do you mm -hmm. square it when you also see the, the, the icy stat cast of, only only the max exit velo isn't blue as far as his power numbers on the stat cast profile B barrel xba x slug x woba hard hit average exit velo they're all blue so how do you how do you reconcile those two things when it's kind of feels like it's giving conflicting info there that power looks real but the underlying under the hood stuff that says is it is it real question mark I mean, what I, I tend to straddle the fence a little bit and kind of say, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily pass like a concrete judgment on it. Uh, he, he's still a player that I feel like is a bit unproven. I mean, it, but this also has the potential to like do what Tyler O'Neill did to me last year, which was kind of the opposite, where like all the things under the hood were like telling me, hey, this guy's gonna pop out, and I've been a big fan of his in the past. But I just couldn't keep you going back to the well, and of course, then he breaks out. Uh, I should have, I should have, uh, and so I mean, these kind of things can tend to burn me because I play it a little bit more conservative in that regard. But it's it's hard because, like, in you know, to be honest, like that, there's some inconsistency to that because I, you know, I talked last night on the CBS podcast about like how much I love Ryan Mountcastle in spite of the fact that like the underlying numbers don't necessarily completely back up what he did, but he's just hit at every level and, and Bader is showing that he can hit. Um, so I definitely need to come around and, and, you know, one of the things that, like I said at the beginning that I love is that his defense is so good. It keeps him on the field. Like this is a Matt Chapman esque, you know, uh, profile in, in which like, Hey, there might be offensive struggles, but the defense is going to allow him to continue to play. Uh, and we're not seeing kind of the logjam in the outfield for the Cardinals that we we've seen in other seasons where he's going to get mm -hmm. tuned or, or, you know, head to the bench when he struggles. So yeah, he definitely needs to come up, but I, I, I still am concerned that the power won't be there, but I think there's enough speed in the profile. Yeah. I mean, 97 percentile uh, sprint speed. So that he could probably rack up, 10 to 15 stolen bases and considering his ADP isn't like super high right now, like that I think is enough to kind of at least give you a safe enough floor where he's okay. Not where yeah, you're going to take him, but you where know, another thing I, I look at is we look at like skills that Bader has, has put up in the past. Um, 19 for a 406 plate appearances, 11% walk rate. It was at 10 then in the two-month sample of 2020. It dropped down to 7% last year, but it also came with that big strikeout dip. So I wonder if he's, like, putting the skills together. And, you know, we've seen power each of the last uh, – I'll just say last season plus to, to include 20. We've seen plate skills before in terms – or walk skills in 19 and 20. We saw the strikeout skill last year in 21 – I just think if he puts everything, and I, I'm not trying to sell you again because you already said you'll you'll move him up, but I just think that there is that 
uber breakout potential there. And you can see the puzzle pieces coming together to where, you know, you invoke the name of Tyler O'Neill. I don't know that he's necessarily got O'Neill's power. So I, I did say like a 30, 20, uh, could be the, mm -hmm. the upside. I'd be actually 20, 30 is, is I, I can almost see him flipping it. Yeah. I, I think that's a much more realistic outcome. I mean, it depends on if, are they going to push on the base pass with a new manager? Yeah. Because then we don't not. know yet on, um, on that. Which is, is so weird to me that we've got multiple teams in this situation where we don't know who the manager is and they're, I and they're signing people, or at least they were before the shutdown. So, um, but. But, you know, even if they're, they're probably going to come in, whoever they bring in is going to have to kind of adhere to the Cardinals' way. Mm -hmm. So I don't. There's usually not going to be too much to shift there. And I know, you know, I, Schilt left. Who knows what exactly it was? It was like philosophical reasons. We don't know. We're left to speculate. I think somebody will come in and they will not rattle the boat too much. So the only reason I bring that up is they've shown when somebody can run, they let them. Yeah, run. they were. Tommy they were got thirty bases in team stolen bases last year. Yeah, Goldie is allowed to run. Edmund O'Neill Bader himself, Ed Light Bader. And so you look at Tyler O'Neill's season, and you and you want to see how that can play off of uh, Bader. I think, like I said, maybe try to flip it a little bit and say, uh, now he went 34-15. I, I think Bader has more power than 15-homer power, but 20-30, like I said, could be something that Bader could really pop off for for a giant season. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this profile going, I'm probably going to project a like 15 okay 12 season um in hope that i hit you know like a, a yeah. 2020 that, that, that'd be great kind of you know, anything like that i, I think for bader mm -hmm. is is a big dub and he's 63rd off the board I, I like the spot that he's going there's other guys around there that i like and so i think that's kind of where we're gonna meet where, where did you end up putting him okay so you're right there 66. i moved down to 53 <sighs> I don't want to, but I have to. No, 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 no. Then don't. No, then no, no, don't no. stick by your guns. No, 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 Put him no, no, at twenty-two. No, not that. Not that. Not that. I, I, I'm, I'm fine. I, I might actually inch him back up. I'm moving him down here, not just in deference to you, because I do agree that th there are some flaws here and some of the guys I have around him. Okay, I can respect that. What I'm saying, I have to do, just because, like, it is where the value is. Is I have to move Miles Straw up. And it annoys me because he's. <laughs> it's yeah, so and, gross, it right? I have him. And, and, I, and I didn't question you on it because I'm like, yeah, I know. Because he was 31 last year. And there's nothing that says he can't repeat last year, even though it was four and yeah. 30 with a 271 average, 48 ribbies, and 86 runs. He can absolutely repeat that. So he, here's the thing about outfield it is. Uh, one of the kind of scariest positions after you get outside I, I the I can top agree 20. with that. I understand exactly what you're talking about. You find your favorites in there, and hopefully you find some oases, 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 oases mm -hmm. that you get comfortable with. But there can be some some wasteland periods there in outfield where you're like, who do I take? This is so scary. Like, there's some really interesting guys with some high upside, but, like, I'm just looking at my ranks, like, after I get past 20, mm -hmm. which is Tyler O'Neill, like, 
there are some every guy and i mean you could probably throw tyler neal into this there's every guy has like serious yeah, yeah. red flags i am nervous about uh, him. stanton buxton mountcastle Marte, uh kettle Marte, you know brian reynolds yelich grisham like these are mm-hmm. all really good players that i you know wouldn't mind having on my team but like as my number two outfielder or for some teams, going to be their number one outfielder if they don't prioritize outfield in the way that yeah, I have Yeah, and been then you're already putting drafts. a big question mark there with, with your number one outfielder, which, you know, and I think we talk about this literally every year, but it, it's always applicable. People want to look at outfield and be like, it's deep because of all the good names there. You need five, and people take mm-hmm. players out of the pool and put them yep. at other positions. A lot of people are just going to put Tatis at short. Mm-hmm. That's an outfielder out of the pool. At to a different position. Merrifield, I believe, still has second in outfield. He's better off yep. at second, probably. So, yeah. Joe Marte's at second. So people will likely, you know, in addition to everyone needing five, people are also robbing the pool for different positions. I agree. You, you need to attack. It's it's not as bad at the top this year. Like, the, you're, if you're looking, you're like your top 50 outfielders or so. There's let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six guys okay. who are multi-position eligible. So it's not as bad as it used to be, and a lot of the guys who were DH only yes, are now. That, that's huge. In fact, I'm doing my uh, Yankees roster review today, and one of the things I'm going to talk about is Stanton and and how getting back mm-hmm. that outfield eligibility. And I did the Red Sox the day before and talked about Martinez getting it back. That is key for. Both of those guys. Mm, and Alvarez, Alvarez is a great pickup. I'll, I'll mention it when I get to Houston. It's always uh, – remember how deep our DH only pool was last year? There was like nine guys that you could realistically go for. And uh, I, I like that it's dried up though and brought a lot of those guys back into into the outfield. So that's huge. All right, this one, I think you're probably already going to move this guy because you're probably aware of the main thing I'm going to cite when I bring up Julio Rodriguez at 100. Um are, are you familiar with his zips projection? Oh, okay. I have so not this, seen his. This will be news to you then. So. Okay, uh, let me find their Seattle zips really quick. They were one of only four that are available right now. This was making some some noise uh, around the uh, you know baseball sphere yesterday on Twitter. He is projected as the top hitter on the team. With wow. Okay, that's already saying something. Yes, considering some uh, of 16 homers, 15 steals, 51 ribbies, and 56 runs in 411 plate appearances. Um, and then you throw the, the defense with that, and I think it was it was, it was the top war among hitters for them. And so, yeah, there was a lot of like, oh, okay, I, I see what we're doing here. Uh, yeah, 3.3 war, uh, just ahead of Ty France. And then uh, at 3.2, and then you jump down to 2.6 for Crawford and Hanniger, uh, and Frazier at 2.4. Now those are uh, war, and and you know we're fantasy, so you're like, okay, well, what about you know what about like OPS plus? He's only second to Ty France. <laughs> he has a 125 for France and a 123 for Julio Rodriguez. So projections loving on Julio. Um, does that does that? Uh, sway you at all or, or, or what, what are your what are your general thoughts on him because you got him at 100 so you, you you got him making the cut here for a guy who's what we should say 21 years old has 46 games at double a 
So I'm not telling you you got to skyrocket him. And I, in fact, I don't even think I'm that much higher than you. But I wanted to bring up the, uh, I wanted to bring up the, um, the the zips there. Yeah, I actually do have them a decent bit higher. I've got them at 64. Wow. Okay. I mean, the sky's the limit with a guy mm-hmm. like Rodriguez, and it, I mean. The hard part is knowing I, what happened I was to his say. teammate because we felt like the, literally the same way coming into twenty twenty one on mm-hmm. uh, Jared Kalenic and and you know that did not work out well for lots of people, including me. Yeah, we, we were big everywhere. fans, so we we will eat that fat L. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was gonna I was gonna look at something to see if this was a counterpoint, but I don't think it is. He had well, okay. Rodriguez does have better plate skills off rip here. Um, and, and that was the biggest thing that really got Kelnick. Although I will say he had a, Kelnick had a 15% strikeout rate and a 6% swinging strike rate in triple a, then comes up to the majors and strikes out at a 28% clip with a 12% swinging strike. So like sometimes you just don't know. And Julio. And sometimes guys just, you know, don't handle yeah. their first go around well. And I think that's well, and I also the like the improvements that Kelnick for... showed by by season's end. Mm-hmm. But it was a big so. two level season for Julio. High A and double A. He had a one sixty two WRC plus at high A, one seventy three at double A. He's gonna be twenty one. He shouldn't be down too long, but I think we should plan for I'm I'm gonna plan for at least a month, but I still got him sixty fourth, even on a on a five month thing. Now the question becomes, though, where do you draft him and 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 can you stash him, right? It's like one thing to per, to predict somebody there or to to rank somebody there, uh, because I think that's where he can be in five months. But that's a bigger question of like, do you draft him and do you hang on in NFBC or do you let that be somebody else's problem? And we focus on NFBC here only because th- th- that's the toughest league to make the decision because there is no minors, there is yeah. no IL, which he wouldn't be on the IL. Yeah, if if you're if you're working in a league with like a deep bench or minor or, or even slots, IL slots uh, or yeah, even so IL slots, put because, injured yeah. guys there and mm-hmm. still hold him as a, a, a spot. But you have seven reserves and that's it. So that means you would only have six available reserves until he comes up for Julio Rodriguez. You know, and I think daily moves leagues as opposed to or daily lineups as opposed to weekly lineups plays a big role too because. Like in a in a weekly lineup, yeah, sure, fine. He's sitting on your bench, but in a daily moves, you're counting on being able to kind of churn your guys yep. in and out of your lineup, you know, to cover for days off. And so it it hurts to not have as many bench spots as you want uh, if you don't have a minor league slot, which I think most leagues yeah. don't. I, I know Yahoo does, but I think that's. Uh, well, I get CBS probably does too. Uh, not, I don't not necessarily uh, as a but, default. Like some leagues offer it. Yeah, not as default, only in a in a probably in a dynasty. So, um, yeah, I definitely need to have this. This ranking was like yeah, I know I, I need to rank him, but I don't know exactly yep. where I, I, I should that's what rank you, the, him. The kind of math that you were doing, like I, I don't know exactly what to do here. Yeah, because I mean, I think he's gonna be up early. Like I. But it's hard because he hasn't mm-hmm. touched AAA yet, even though he just absolutely decimated AA. He's only 20 years old, going to be 21 yep. heading into the season. Yeah, I definitely need to move him up. But I'm, I'm okay. So I, well, let's just, let's, I'm just going to go kind of person by person. He should be ahead of okay. Trevor Larnark. 
He should be ahead of Hunter Dozier and Brandon Marsh is where I start. I really like Brandon Marsh, but his upside is greater. I'm going to put him. Oh, God. I'm moving him <laughs> up way too high. My, my, my mouse <laughs> won't stop moving up. I, I can't get Oh, no. Uh, I'm going to put okay. him 70. Wait, we're right next to each other then. I think we're we're in the wow. same ballpark. I'm I'm with it. You know what? I'm I'm gonna move him up one more spot just Obviously, so I can have it sixteen. Very nice. I, I feel like that that is just an opportunity. I, I hear you. I hear you. On okay, so that's where we are now. I love the talent. I really, really love the talent, and I do think the Mariners have shown yes. that they want to be aggressive. Like they like this is an organization that is being They're aggressive in free agency. Window, you know? uh, they're yeah, and and I think that's a smart move. Um, so I think that there is a high likelihood that he could be up, uh, you know, after. I mean, yeah. who knows what's going to happen with CBA? So I mean that that's a big question mark is that is the CBA and all that. Uh, and but if things don't really change in terms of service time manipulation and stuff like that, which I tend to feel like it's not going to. Um, then he should probably be up early May. Uh, and then you're talking about a guy who could potentially get 400 plate appearances um, and uh, 400 plus plate appearances and be kind of a monster. I mean, like, like you look at just kind of the raw tools and we, we grade them with, you know, 60 grade raw power now with potential for 70, 50 grade speed. Um, like, I mean, this is a guy that could probably be a, a a 30 20 guy at some point yeah early i mean in his julio career. rodriguez sky's the limit his worst batting average at any spot in the minor <laughs> leagues is 293 yeah he's been nasty and his his worst iso was at double a his last stop his worst which wrc was plus was 145 so you see where the projections are you know zips where, where it's getting all this excitement from again I think because their team, the the Mariners just had a prospect come up and disappoint, that'll probably keep a lot of folks off Rodriguez. The fact is, it shouldn't. What Kelnick did has nothing to do with Julio Rodriguez. They should be graded independently. But I guarantee that that Kelnick's underperformance will impact how people view Rodriguez. Uh, but okay, push push come to shove time. Are you drafting him? Are you willing to to hold? And wait for him. You loved Kalnick. Now, what, are you going to let your Kalnick experience influence this? Um, I think it depends on what my roster is looking like. Okay, he's the seventy fifth guy off the board um, at pick two eighty. Um, a hell of a range right now, mm-hmm. two hundred eight to five twenty four. So, you know, he was probably being very lowly drafted early, and now he's started to move up. Uh, as as some hype builds, and then I wonder what this uh, Zips projection will do in the coming week or so to Rodriguez's price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think his price so, is probably going to go up. Uh, the closer and closer, would we you get. take him? Uh, and so I may get. As long as I don't have any other stashes, like I'm. Uh, last year, I kind of tried to stick to the one mm-hmm. stash per draft. Which is like a minor leaguer or um, an already injured guy. 
Mm-hmm. And and we're talking yes. about with a seven man bench, right? With and you know NFBC kind of centric, but just in general, like if you've got a five to seven man bench, depending on what format you're playing on, I go with one stash. Um, and uh, so in a, in a draft and hold, I'm probably looking at maybe three stashes type type of thing. So if that's where you're at, so if I don't already have a stash, if I don't already have a guy that I you know that is you know either injured or or in the minor leagues or something like that, then yes, I would take the shot on it because I think the upside is really huge and I'm not having to pay the same price that I had to pay last year for... For Kelnick, uh, yep, exactly. And that's a fair point too. And we'll, of course, monitor that price because if Rodriguez starts to go up (laughs) uh, too much, you know, I think there's some wiggle room here from the 75th outfielder that I would still have some interest. But if we come up in March and he's a, you know top 40 outfielder i'm out Mm -hmm. because that's that's top uh that's like top 160 picks and that's my fear my fear is by the time we get to draft day he's gonna be going like you know around the same price we were seeing on uh kalnick last year uh which is the price where you get burned like this is a price right now where it's like oh okay like if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. Agreed. It's not going to hurt that much. Um, but as we start moving, he starts moving up. Uh, that that may be a little bit more difficult to. I totally agree. Uh, why don't we cap it here? You've got an out. Uh, I still want to okay. do the unranked guys, but uh, I, I took a couple off thinking that we would just squeeze them in. But we're we're almost up against our time, so let's go ahead and cap it right here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he was your 100th ranked. You moved up Julio Rodriguez. And then we'll get into the unranked guys next time, and then we'll get into uh, another position perhaps as well. Uh, we'll start our next position of discussion. But I'm enjoying the heck out of these discussions here. We're moving each other's rankings, talking through it. I still think this is kind of the best way to do it, get with somebody that you, you, you love having these combos with and who you believe can mm-hmm. sway you with the right arguments and, and talk through players, especially the ones that you have big questions on because that's how you really kind of figure out where you're at, you know. And so, um, yeah, I think we've had some moves here, and then we'll get into some unranked guys next time. But, Justin, it's great speaking with you, and I'll talk to you later this week. Peace. Take it easy.